You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Josh Ward, host of Locked On Balls, along with Andrew Wade from Locked On Hawkeyes. It is a Ward and Wade Wednesday, and Andrew, we have a lot to talk about. We have postponements in the SEC to get to. We have the Pac-12 having kicked off this past weekend. Big Ten, of course, uh, in full motion now at this point, and then uh, other games to, to talk about this upcoming weekend. So, We'll dive right in. I'm excited, but the SEC, it's uh, it's hitting the brake pads here this week, isn't it? Because as uh, Tuesday went along, we had more postponements come out. At, at the time of this recording, there's still some questions with some other teams, but the latest along with Auburn, Mississippi State being postponed is Alabama and LSU, and they don't know where to put that game right now. And then Texas A&M, Tennessee also postponed because of some issues at A&M. Also, Auburn had to, uh, it had to suspend activities after Mississippi State did on Monday so maybe both teams would have been unavailable for that game this upcoming Saturday but is this the Halloween effect what are we looking at here with the SEC having so many issues yeah, man, it's COVID. And also, you got to think, and not to, to hate on the harp on the SEC, but um, typically when you think of COVID and, and where some of the, the places that have been a little bit more open are, it has been SEC country. Not saying that's why this is happening, right? I mean, you're having COVID issues throughout the country, people missing time. Um, Iowa has had a couple of COVID, pe- you know, COVID issues. Wisconsin's missed the last two games. So you're seeing it across the country. It's just, it is interesting that it's all happening in the SEC specifically. That being said, the SEC's done a good job. They play a lot of games. I'm looking at Alabama, for example. They might not get this game in against LSU, as you mentioned, but they're already 6-0. That is the requirement for the Big Ten to make it into the Big Ten championship game. We've also we've seen them play six games. We've seen them play some good teams, some ranked teams. I think we already know what we know about Alabama. So from that aspect, I mean, it is concerning that we're not getting hardly any SEC games this week. And, and granted, the slate of games is also pretty bad anyways when you look at it from a ranking to rankings perspective but at least we've seen a lot of them play already and they've already gotten a lot of quality games in which is good for the college football playoff perspective should we be even more open-minded over the next month regarding playoff criteria in terms of how many games you will have needed to play what your record needs to be how you look in some of those games because so many different teams are affected in in some way like Clemson just lost to Notre Dame and I'm not saying they lost because they didn't have Trevor Lawrence but they didn't have Trevor Lawrence that'll at least be talked about you have these postponements you've had the Wisconsin factor in the Big 10 uh, so several conferences several conferences have had big big teams uh, potential playoff teams that have been affected in some way yeah, it's interesting you bring that question up because I think about it before the college football playoff was around. We had the BCS, right? And the BCS was all based off of statistics. And in that case, Clemson wouldn't have mattered. They would have lost Notre Dame and they likely would kind of be on the outskirts looking in. But the college football playoff committee looks at those things and says, if they had Trevor Lawrence, would they have beaten Notre Dame? I'll be honest. I thought DJ played pretty well. Um, does Trevor Lawrence make a difference in that game? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But um, I, do, I do think it plays a, a part of that. And you bring up another interesting point is what if they expand the college football playoffs? You know, you talked about changing the criteria, but what if you just expand it? Because this year is so crazy. We don't know. I mean, we might get a Wisconsin team that goes 6-0, maybe 5-0, 4-0, depending on how many games they play. Um, Clemson loses to Notre Dame. They're without their number one draft pick at quarterback. BYU is playing no one except for maybe Boise State, but that can't really be counted as a game after they destroyed them. There's a lot of teams, though, that are kind of putting themselves in this mix and have been also impacted by certain issues related to COVID. I think maybe you expand it and the the NCAA is surprisingly 
been somewhat uh, adaptive to COVID. I know they're, they're usually a pretty rigid uh, organization, but they've done a pretty good job of being flexible, in my opinion, throughout this process. Maybe you just expand the college ball playoff committee or the college ball playoff in general. Yeah, I would say why not because of what this year is. And I will say that I'm in general uh, in favor of expanding to eight just because I think it would make a lot of sense for the sport. And I don't, I think there are ways, especially if you were to add home field, that would be in my scenario where it could still add to the regular season. But uh, that aside, this year is just different, obviously, and, and for a number of different reasons. So if you went to eight this year, you could still plan to go back to four in 2021, assuming 2021 is a more normal year, which we all hope. But you could expand it this year, recognizing that this year is going to be different and that you uh, that, that it can help you figure things out. My guess is that if you go to eight, you're still going to be talking about Alabama, Ohio State and Clemson having the best chance to win the title. Uh, may, maybe Florida's good enough. Uh, BYU would be in, assuming it takes care of business, which I expect uh, to be one of those eight teams. And then I don't think it would get the job done, but it would at least have a, a shot. It gives you a little more inventory because you haven't had as many games this year. So you can put it on TV. I'm guessing that they would love to air some extra big time, big stage college football playoff games. So, yeah, I would say why not? I, I would I would be in favor of an 18 playoff this year. Yeah, everything's been crazy. Why not take the chance and see if you like it? Maybe it's something that we say, wow, that eight game, that eight team or eight team playoff was really fantastic to watch. Maybe we see a, a seven seed upset a two seed. Maybe we see a six seed upset a three seed. And we think, wow, this is actually what we should be looking for towards anyways. And I've always been a proponent of that as well. I think it's ridiculous when you have five power five conferences and one of those power five conferences does not get a team. Usually it is the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, because then you look at the SEC and they are predominantly favored. And, and I know you're you're an SEC guy, but it it sucks from a Big Ten perspective when an Ohio State gets left out and two SEC teams sure. go. I think this is a really cool opportunity. And then also give those teams, the independent or a group of five team, the opportunity to get in. I think it eliminates more questions than it actually creates. Because if yeah. I'm a team and I'm ranked number nine and I don't get in, you already expanded it. You're, you, if the, 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 the criteria is set. You win your conference, you're in, and then maybe the top two teams outside of those six winners get in. Yeah, how big of a deal would that be to BYU, to Cincinnati? Cincinnati's rolling. I mean, what a performance again last weekend. That would be huge for the Bearcats, for the Cougars, who are already getting some love. Zach Wilson, the idea of seeing him on the big stage, he's getting a lot of NFL draft talk. Have you seen this? He's getting a lot of top 10 yep. projection for the NFL draft. So for that kind of player – at a, you know, at a program where they've had historical success. It's not like BYU is a no-name. Uh, and uh, for this season, the way that they played, to be rewarded with at least an opportunity. And as I said, I don't think that they would win, uh, certainly the playoff or even probably a game. Give them a chance to prove me wrong. You know, let, yeah. let's see. They, they'd be there. They'd be highly motivated. And I'm sure that they would take the opportunity. You know, for Luke Fickle and, and for Cincinnati, the same deal applies to them. So just recognize that it's different. Give us a little more college football adjust the schedule a little bit the sec i wonder could could they use a little more wiggle room i don't know they're already kind of tied up against christmas because december 19th that's the championship weekend the big 10 wasn't able to allow itself much wiggle room because of the start date same with the pac-12 so just keep an open mind they were already talking about playing spring football so it's not like time is really pressing to jam it all in you can open things up a little bit more 
Yeah, I mean, can you think of honestly any cons to this? Can I look at it and I think you're making more money, you're getting more pro- programs exposure, you're eliminating more questions. You're, I mean, a BYU in a normal season, had they gone undefeated, I think you can absolutely consider them from a top four spot because they would have played a more difficult schedule. But they, it's not their fault they couldn't play half the teams they wanted to play or get the normal schedule. So I think you eliminate questions, you create you know better opportunities for these players. You talk about you know uh, BYU's quarterback, I, wow, I'm Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, the, the Mormon Mon- Manziel, man. I mean, they've, the, the NFL scouts, I listen to a lot of draft podcasts and the issue they're having is that he hasn't played anyone. They haven't had an opportunity to really see him play a good defense, put him on that stage. It helps him out or hurts him, but at least gives him an opportunity to prove himself on that stage. I see no cons with it. Yeah. I'm with you. If I'm, if I'm trying to come up with one, one potential con could be, what if the COVID cases end up continuing to be an issue and they're worried about trying to schedule more and managing that? And what if they run into another postponement? That's something that could be something that you deal with. But then I guess I would just say, well, you deal with it and you try to come up with a plan because you're, again, you're already having a playoff. So this would be adding inventory to it, but I'm for it. So the SEC is uh, the latest to deal with some postponements, potential cancellation, I guess, with that LSU-Alabama game. And uh, right now it's three. By the time you listen to this or sometime this week, we, we could see more as Arkansas is still planning to play Florida, but without head coach Sam Pittman because of his positive COVID test. And there are some reported issues at Missouri. How could that affect the Missouri-Georgia game? So the most challenging week for sure, I would say, in the SEC. It's not been uh, completely smooth. Florida had its issues a few weeks ago, but this has been – the most challenging. We lose the Masters into the Alabama LSU game, which I know a lot of people were looking forward to on Saturday. So uh, the, the SEC will still march on with a couple of games at least. And we'll move on here looking at what's happened, what will be going on this upcoming weekend. Your Big Ten's all flipped upside down, by the way, Andrew. So I, I need some answers there. We'll get to that coming up here on Locked on College Football. And by the way, football is still going on. So you're sitting back, you're enjoying football this weekend, the Masters coming up. How about enjoying that with an ice-cold Coors Light? This is the beer to choose, the beer I choose, when you want to sit back, you want to unwind, you're on the go. It's been a stressful time for a lot of people I recognize. How about, Andrew, choosing an ice-cold Coors Light? I couldn't agree more. I mean, when I need to relax, I grab a Coors Light. But also, uh, I, I live in Colorado. There's some big old mountains here, 14,000-foot mountains. When we hike to the top, we actually bring Coors Light in our backpacks to crack open an ice-cold Coors Light at the top of the mountain. It's the way to go after doing such a hard feat, having a fantastically delicious ice-cold Coors Light there. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill, even if you're at the top of a mountaintop. Coors Light is the one I choose and I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coreslight.com that's right delivered straight to your door at get.coreslight.com and as always remember to celebrate responsibly this message is brought to you by Coors Light a part of the Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado and Andrew we're talking about preferences and uh, being on the go all the time I might have an update to my built bar power rankings I've told you that the peanut butter bars have been my favorite but the salted caramel I had uh, I had one of those for the first time this past week I ordered two new boxes of built bars salted caramel is it's in the running I don't know if it's number one yet in the Josh Ward power poll but it's probably cracked the top three now I love it Dude, I have I actually just had a salted caramel for breakfast this morning. I had a salted caramel for breakfast yesterday. I would have to say salted caramel is my number two. Pumpkin chocolate chip is always gonna be my number one. And they just released a new batch of them as well. So I just ordered three boxes yesterday. I'm pumped. Cookies and cream rounds out my top three. And right now you can go to actually get these built bars. I mean, they are 
clearly we love them. Delicious. They're absolutely delicious, man. And they, they're great for you too, which I think is the best part. They're low calorie. They're high in protein, low in sugars. It's exactly what you want in a health, healthy protein bar, but they pack a punch in the taste department as well. So right now, if you want to get built bars, go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. And you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And Andrew, I told you, I need some explanation here with the Big Ten. We've got Indiana 3-0, and rolling a couple of top 25 wins, one in the top 10 for Michael Penix Jr. and company. They have Michigan State this upcoming weekend, which, of course, has that win against Michigan. Michigan, they're on the bottom side with back-to-back losses. I know they're really frustrated in Ann Arbor. What Maryland's doing, Penn State has issues. Tell me about your conference there. What's going on with the Big Ten? Yeah, we're three games in, and I'm starting to get a little bit of a feel for what the hell is going on. And I want to point out a couple of things I think is very interesting. First, Rutgers has more wins than Penn State right now, which is something no one would have thought of three games into this season. But I want to kind of walk through those teams because Penn State, I think the biggest issue here, um, they did change offensive coordinators. However, they also lost journey brown they lost they've lost their running game and the running game is a crucial part of that they lost micah parsons i mean they lost eater gross mottos from last year there's a lot of people that this team has lost and they're putting it all on sean clifford and that's i think is a big reason a why they're struggling Rutgers and a great shiano you're going to have that great shiano effect where they're always going to be in games they're not going to out talent anyone but they were able to get by playing a michigan state team that is so incredibly erratic they Michigan state is honestly their own worst enemy. They just can't keep the ball on their side. I mean, with their team, they just watching the Michigan state, Iowa game, so many interceptions. Um, I can kind of go on a little bit more if you want me to, but Minnesota, I think two big issues here and why they're struggling so much. They lost two of their offensive linemen to opt outs. They changed offensive coordinators, brought in a terrible offensive coordinator and their defense has significantly regressed out Antoine Winfield Jr. and Carter Coughlin. Those, to me, are like the three biggest storylines, Michigan State, Penn State, Minnesota. And then Indiana, I feel like, has gotten a little bit of an advantage playing these teams that were technically supposed to be good but really are very underwhelming to begin the season. So I still don't know exactly how to feel about Indiana. They're a good team, right? Don't get me wrong, but um, I would say – uh, let's slow the roll a little bit. They are not competing with Ohio State for that Big Ten East title. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, it's just it's it, with Indiana, I think, taking advantage yep. of the opportunity. And of course, if if there's even a different call made on Penix's two point conversion they don't have that win against Penn State and Penn State maybe feels a little bit better about things Michigan of course they're really frustrated uh interesting game there against Wisconsin Wisconsin's been out the last two weeks because of the uh, the Badgers COVID situation so it's an important game I'm sure Wisconsin's going to be all fired up how the last two weeks affected them though Michigan really needs this and of course the uh there's some heat there on Harbaugh in Ann Arbor with how things have started uh Rutgers by the way you want to talk about a weird 2020 Rutgers favorite this week. Now they're playing Illinois, but Rutgers a, a favorite in the game, which I'm not really used to. Neither are they in college football. So the, the one normal part of this would be uh, what Ohio State is. Ohio State's really good. And then uh, you, you have the second Tungvaloa, uh, Tungvaloa quarterback, Talia up there at uh, Maryland and that starts. So it's just all kinds of storylines. I'll say that from the Big Ten. They're just abnormal. I couldn't agree more. Um, honestly, I'd be I'd be very interested to see the last time Rutgers was actually favored. It had to be. A, I mean, 
in a in a Big Ten conference game, Illinois is really struggling to. And Illinois is an interesting situation because they had so many people out with COVID. I thought they were going to get their first win this weekend against Minnesota, but um, they were down to their fourth string quarterback. Conveniently, unlike Wisconsin, you know they didn't actually cancel their game. Granted, Wisconsin ended up getting more COVID cases, but uh, two uh, the tongue of Aola brother, yeah. excuse me, under Maryland. I think what we saw happen uh, the first week was less about Maryland um, in the sense of they were just getting used to the offense getting used to a new quarterback, getting used to how to utilize that um, when they got blown out by Northwestern. Northwestern came out firing. I mean, they had a really bad season last year, um, but I think Maryland is a team to also watch out for. I mean, they're doing some pretty good things under him, and I really like his ability to get out of the pocket and scramble. It creates an interesting dynamic, um, and he's doing fantastic things at Maryland right now. Yeah, and by the way, I saw from Phil Still, he noted Rutgers being a favorite. It's the first time in a Big Ten game since 2015. Rutgers has not been favored <laughs> against a Big Ten opponent in half a decade. Think about that. I love it. And they're watch them just get blown out by Illinois. That would be a very Rutgers thing to do. But again, Graciano, he keeps these teams in. That hiring was fantastic for them. I love the fact that the Big Ten is getting more competitive from the bottom teams. Michigan's down this year. Penn State's down this year. They're going to they're gonna be back up. They have too much talent to be down. Down. Although I think the Harbaugh thing is very interesting to watch as well. They lose to Wisconsin. If they lose bad this weekend, do you fire him? I think you fire him now, right? I mean, what's the point of having – he clearly can't get it done. Well, no, I don't I don't think you fire him, although I think that would, that would get you closer to the door opening for him to move on. I do wonder, will this be the offseason where he says, okay, is there an NFL team that would be interested and we can part ways – Michigan maybe is ready to bring in some some fresh life here at this at this position, and Harbaugh might be ready to move on. So in this kind of year, uh, in most spots, I know a few coaches Utah State this past week with Gary Anderson, but uh, I would I would try to just get through the year as best you can and see if you can weather whatever storm you might come up with. But it does feel like we're getting closer to the end with Harbaugh. Either way, whether they win or not this week, but I would I would uh, I would keep him through the season, and then at the end of the year, I wonder if there was a mutual parting of ways where Harbaugh looks for his next spot and Michigan looks for its next coach. That would be my yeah, guess. That makes sense. I mean, especially in this COVID time. Yeah. Um. Going. I mean, if they thought that it was pouring now, wait till they fire Harbaugh, Harbaugh and try to go to a new um, coach. That that'd be very difficult to do in this this time. Um. It is COVID. Anything can happen uh, and things are crazy. And I think honestly, a lot of teams are looking at this as almost a wash year. I mean, Penn State has to look at this and be like, well, shoot, it ain't this year that we're going to be doing anything good. Yeah. And uh, one other in the Big Ten, what do you think of Northwestern Purdue? Those are two unbeaten teams that will will play um, Northwestern's 3-0. and We talked about them a few weeks ago. I like the Mike Bajakian hire uh, with him coming in as the OC and then Purdue 2-0 and in this game. Yeah. Um, Purdue's issue has never been under under Jeff Brom has never been can they win any game it's can they win any game consistently mm -hmm. they are always in games but just lose five or six a year so um the fact they're doing it a little bit more consistently this year only two games and granted and it was um Iowa they got a wave the win there and then Illinois but um, Purdue does have the talent. It's interesting to see what's going to happen to Rondell Moore. It seems like I just can't imagine him coming back at this point. Northwestern is just playing typical Northwestern football. They're not outside of the Maryland game. They're not going to blow a lot of teams out. They're not going to out talent a lot of teams, but they're doing things right. They're not making mistakes and they're coming up with timely turnovers. I mean, I look at the, the Iowa game having a couple turnovers late in that second half, uh, Nebraska, 
Um, people don't realize this if you didn't watch the game, but they were at, in the red zone twice and threw two goal line interceptions. Uh, I think of the time where I, I believe they're on the one and they decided to get a little, no, sorry, the five and got a little fancy and did a play action pass. And then they end up throwing an interception a couple plays later. Um, Northwestern though, is just being a typical Northwestern team. And this is the year for Northwestern to kind of run the table because they are such a consistent program under Pat Fitzgerald. And they have a quarterback now who can do a little bit more with his legs and isn't going to turn over the ball in dumb ways. So I, this game I think does go to Northwestern, um, but Purdue again, if they show me they win this game, I'd actually be worried about Purdue winning, winning out the rest of the year. Cause they do have the ability to do so. They're just not consistent enough. Could be a good one Saturday night. That one's going to be on the Big Ten Network, 7.30 Eastern kick, Northwestern at Purdue. Other games to pay attention to? We'll tell you about them coming up next. Other games that stand out to us when we return for the final segment here on a Ward and Wade Wednesday. It's Locked On College Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Andrew, as we discussed in the first segment with some SEC games postponed, the schedule is thinned out a little bit, but think about where we were a few weeks ago when the Big Ten, the Pac-12 hadn't started up. And uh, don't forget, Maction is uh, continuing with games on Tuesday night, uh, already taking place by the time you hear this, and three more games uh, tonight, Wednesday night, Boise State and Colorado State tomorrow. Uh, But on uh, Saturday noon, you get Virginia Tech at home against Miami. Let's see if De'Aaron King continues to just put up numbers, doesn't he, for the Hurricanes' top ten team. 100%. 100%. And I think you're going to see a motivated Miami team. Last week, they struggled to beat North Carolina State. But if you look at previous numbers under Manny Diaz, and apparently with absence or with a, a break of eight games or more, Miami has almost never covered under Manny Diaz um, the spread. So I guess that can take that however you want. But to me, the, the Miami versus North Carolina State game is a little bit of an anomaly. I expect Miami to come out pretty motivated and take care of Virginia Tech, which has had a ridiculous amount of issues with COVID and injuries to the point where, I mean, half the team is gone every single game, it seems like. Yep. Um, you know, Notre Dame is obviously coming off a huge win against Clemson this past weekend. That's an understatement. Notre Dame Boston College has plenty of history, matters a lot to those fan bases. So that's going to be a 330 game. Notre Dame needs to stay locked in, doesn't it? As Boston College put a scare into Clemson a couple of weeks ago. Now Notre Dame's coming off a huge upset win, getting ready to travel. That's a, a 330 ABC game on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I typically hate on Notre Dame and I try to, you know, I usually piss off a fan base, you know, every single week. But I think you did um, it consecutive I, weeks with the Irish, by the way. I, yeah, I definitely did. Um, yeah. I eat crow. Congratulations. Notre Dame beat Clemson. That was a really good game. I was actually really impressed by Notre Dame's defense. Um, their offense never really was a huge concern for me going into the Clemson game, but their defense, I didn't think they could stop Clemson. They did when they needed to. Um, all right, fine. Notre Dame deserves to be in the college ball playoff. I also think that Brian Kelly has his team reeling. Boston College, when they got Clemson, they got a Clemson defense that was literally sleeping. I mean, that Clemson defense couldn't do anything. They also put themselves in some bad positions, but Boston College didn't do crap the second half. Um, I don't think this is going to be a hard game for Notre Dame, but again, we do worry about a letdown after such a big win over Clemson. I mean, that is that is exhausting to win that kind of game. And it's mentally difficult to get back into the following week when you're playing a Boston college. Yeah. in a weird week too, where they come out of the game, they had the field storming. So you have Notre Dame sending the message to the students about how careful they have to be this week with COVID. Uh, And then I'm sure they think that even more after seeing the sec cancellation. So just a different kind of week. I don't know. Maybe that allows them to lock in and focus. We'll see, but an important game for Notre Dame, by the way, prediction on my side, even as you're heaping some praise on Notre Dame, By the time we get to the ACC title game, 
you're going to be ripping on Notre Dame again and talking about how Clemson's going to beat him and the real Notre Dame's going to show up. So that's that's my prediction is that this is not going to continue to stand this praise that you have for the Irish. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair prediction. I, I'm 100%. I mean, I try to find any way to hate on Notre Dame. I just can't after that Clemson win. I'm sure they'll do something, you know, probably almost lose to Syracuse in December 5th. And then I'll be like, Notre Dame sucks again. Told you. Told I, I do. I do think. I mean, I do think Clemson is a better team. To be fair, but Notre Dame did a great job of beating them. So yeah, absolutely, huge win. Uh, important game: USC at Arizona. That's a three thirty Eastern game. So uh, USC coming off the win where it uh, it had to fight until the very end to get that win, but it it got it. So uh, Arizona making its debut after the game with Utah last week was canceled. So Arizona and USC in the middle of the afternoon on Saturday. Yeah, the USC game was super weird. I mean, how often do you get a Pac-12 game at 9 a.m. Um, local time? Uh, that game was just weird. But Arizona State does do a really good job, despite not having as much talent of staying in these games. And USC, I, I projected USC to actually win the Pac-12 this year. So that was a little disappointing for me to see that game happen. But at least they came out with the win. Arizona is going to be a tough test as well, though. Arizona returns a ton of production from last season. And especially in this weird pandemic time, when you return a lot of production, that cannot be under or that cannot be overvalued anymore because that production also creates consistency. When you have consistency, that's the one thing that a lot of teams are missing. You see teams that are going through new head coaches, new offensive coordinators, new quarterbacks, Iowa, for example, when you don't have that consistency in a year like this, where there's not anything that's consistent, um, that can be tough, but Arizona has that consistency. They have that production returning. Um, this could be a scary game for USC and uh, my Pac-12 prediction. And then Oregon took care of business last week against Stanford. That's the other team getting the most attention at the top of the Pac-12. And the Ducks will play at Washington State on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, Stanford was a trendy pick to cover versus Oregon. Um, I did not take that. Just I don't trust the Stanford team right now. However... Washington State, I thought, played a pretty good game last week. And Oregon does have a lot of pieces they are missing from last year's team that went to the Rose Bowl. So I think this is a scary game. I'm not betting on it by any means, but if I were, I'd probably take Washington State money line just to throw out something there and, and see if I can hit on it. I do think this is a game to watch out for Oregon on, though. You have Florida State at NC State on Saturday night. Pac-12 after dark. You have a, a pretty big selection. Cal at Arizona State, Utah at UCLA, Washington at home against Oregon State. So that the Pac-12 will maybe get a little more attention with uh, less SEC football, and they'll kind of be uh, spread out throughout the day in the Pac-12 this week. And I'll knock on wood, hoping they're not uh, more cancellations as, as they had to deal with last week. Yeah, I mean, it is, overall, this weekend is one of the sloppiest weekends of games. I thought once we got the Pac-12 back, once we got the Big Ten back, and I'll mm -hmm. even throw in Max in there for a little bit, but once we got those three conferences back, I felt like we would not have another weekend like the first two to three weekends of college football. But this weekend is ugly from a premier game perspective. I mean, I'm looking at the Big Ten, and the premier game is Northwestern versus Purdue. Is that really the – I mean, that's the premier game, I think. Unless uh, maybe, you want to go with the sad bowl of Nebraska versus Penn State. <laughs> oh, man. How funny. With I hate Nebraska, but it would be hilarious to watch them beat Penn State. Um, I don't actually hate Penn State either. I just think there was a little bit – maybe they were a little bit overhyped coming into the season. I, I do think it's kind of funny to watch them struggle so much uh, this year. Nebraska hasn't played that bad either, man. I thought Nebraska's defensive line has been really solid. Um, if they can just figure out what the hell is going on at quarterback. Um, last week, yeah. Luke McCaffrey took over for Adrian Martinez. Luke McCaffrey came in there, I thought – ran the offense significantly better and actually could throw a ball 10 feet without missing his wide receiver. Um, Nebraska is a scary team to watch out to maybe start Penn State 0-4.
Yeah. Uh, and we, we do get college football, so we remain thankful for it. And when we say, yeah, this weekend doesn't look like much, that's when things could sneak up on us. So we'll be paying attention and locked on college football is here for you five days a week. So we have two more shows to go this week. Remember Friday's episode helps get you ready for your picks to make this upcoming weekend as well. So enjoy college football, Andrew. We'll see if uh, the SEC can return to more action next week when you and I meet up for a Ward and Wade Wednesday. I enjoyed it. Enjoy football this weekend. Good luck with your picks and your bets and uh, we'll do it again next week i love man have a good day buddy keep spreading the word to other college football fans about locked on college football we appreciate you being with us here on locked on college football it's part of the locked on podcast network